the invaluable Kelly Olynyk and what the Jazz should do with him in our NBA draft boards finally flushing themselves out. It's next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz. Today, Kelly Olenek, player option. The Jazz should definitely pick it up, but why he's so invaluable to this team, how they should use him, what they should mean, and where some of his drawbacks may or may not be things the Jazz want to deal with moving forward. We'll look at Kelly Olenek on that. The draft boards of the NBA, when we did the numbers, we looked at it and said it's going to be massive fluctuation. Guys are going to pop up and down all over the place. Still think that's true, but I'm beginning to get a feeling from some draft boards that 25 players are kind of set in their mix. We'll discuss that looking at the draft boards of Sam Vecini and Luke Leaf Tulin on the show today, and we'll do our lottery as well. There's no late game finish today because Boston annihilated Philadelphia. I am David Locke. As I mentioned, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz and Jazz NBA Insider. This is your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much to making for making Locked on Jazz your first listen every single day. And thanks to our everydayers who are here for us and drive this program. You can be a part of the group by subscribing or following on any podcasting app, as well as on YouTube. Hit the bell button to be notified whenever we launch. That's a fun community. All right. Kelly Olenek. A delightful person. I like to say anybody who got married three times to one woman in a short period of time has it all figured out, right? We all got married. We all threw our bash. None of us had the financial resources of Kelly Olenek. And if you haven't heard the story, Kelly Olenek gets married in a private setting with his new bride in, I think it was Idaho, where she's from, um, for the family event. Then they go to Vegas to be married by an Elvis impersonator, because really, why not? And then they go to Napa to throw the big-ass bash. Really? That's the answer if all of us could do it. That just tells you a little bit about Kelly Olenek. He is going to live life as much as he can. So last year was Kelly Olenek's highest scoring average for an entire season when he stayed on one team. He averaged 13.5 points in the 2020-2021 season, but he bounced from Miami to Houston. The 68 games he started last year were the highest he'd ever started on any team in a season. The 28.6 minutes averaged were all-time highs for him. So at 31 years old, the Utah Jazz asked more out of Kelly Olynyk than had been ever asked out of him in his career, and he answered. Did he ever? He shot 39.4% from three, which was the second best average he's ever had from three. He did it while taking a few less attempts. He got a little stingy on his attempts. He took 4.7 free throws, which is right about um, where he's been his entire career. He went to the line. The most he's ever gone to the line in a given season, his rebounding we'll talk about in a minute, but his assist total was at 3.7, which is the highest it ever was. So career at 31 years old, career high starts, career high minutes, career high points per game for a single team for a whole season. Career high, uh, or one of his best, three, second, third best three-point shooting season, top assist season of his career. He was really awesome. And when the year started, 
The trade for Boyan Bogdanovich might have been one of the most important single moves the Jazz made all year long because this was a team without any ball movers other than Mike Conley. Colin Sexton's not a ball mover. Jordan Clarkson's not a ball mover. We didn't know if Lowry Markin's a ball mover. He's not really. Um, Jared Vanderbilt turned out to be maybe a little bit more of a ball handler mover than we thought. Um, more of a ball handler than I certainly thought. Um, but Kelly Olenek was vital. Vital. Because of the fact that Kelly Olenek moved the basketball. And he became even more vital after the Mike Conley trade. After the Mike Conley trade, we got Point Olenek. That, to me, is still, and, you know, if you kind of, Kelly's ankle injury, um, I think, curtailed some of his season um, with his three-point shooting kind of fell apart after that in a lot of ways. Post-Mike Conley trade, Kelly Olenek played 30 minutes a night. He shot 52% from the field, 39% from three, and 88% from the free throw line. Big time. Almost 50-40-90. He averaged 14 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists a game. Big time. We weren't particularly good, right? I mean, those 24 games, we garnered out, what, about 8, 9 wins? Um, but that he completely evolved. We were in Toronto before that first game, and I remember him saying, like, can I play point guard now? And that's how he approached it. And that's the most beautiful aspect of Kelly Olynyk, and why I think he's so vital to, for the Utah Jazz moving forward is the adaptability. So number one is the ball movement. He'll move. He's we we gotta have him for ball movement. But number two, he'll go from taking four shots a night to taking twelve shots a night. He reads the room and understands. He frankly cherishes the nights in which he's the primary scorer or one of them. He doesn't duck from that. He actually thinks it's a great opportunity to show his skills. Maybe one of the most interesting conversations I had with any player all season long was with Kelly about his 27 games in Houston. He In in the 2021, 2021 season, which is kind of the, the, uh, the COVID season, post the, not the interrupted COVID season, but the other COVID season, he ends up getting traded from Miami to Houston. And he goes to Houston, he starts 24 of the 27 games. He averages 19 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists. But I think they won like 3 games that whole time. And I, when we were in Houston, I asked Kelly, like, how was that? And I expected to get an answer of like, oh my God, that was miserable. What a mess. I got the exact opposite. It was the greatest time of my career. I reminded myself why I loved the game. I discovered how what my skill set was. I was remembered about how much I can do on the basketball floor. This is in a time period where they literally won, I think, four games in that whole stretch. But prior to that in Kelly's career, he'd been put in this tiny little box in which he played 19 to 20 minutes as a role player coming off the bench for two very good teams in Boston and Miami. And he did it well. His plus minus has always been really, really good. His team's always been better when he's on the floor because he just does all sorts of everything. However... From his standpoint, I think there was a level of feeling that he he had not been tapped. He had, by the way, I, just so I'm being accurate, from his, I think he's got 11 years in the league now. He has two seasons in which his plus minus were negative. He has nine where they're positive. Okay, that's like pretty great. Um, we were 2.1 points better when he was on the floor than off the floor last year. Like that's that's Kelly Olynyk in Detroit the year before was 2.8. Like Miami in the year before or. 
Miami, his last year was the, one of his negative years. Boston was one of his negative years. His last year in both Boston and Miami were negative. And so that adaptability that he has to kind of read the situation, but I also think there's an element where Kelly really thrived because he got to spread his wings again. And as much as we would think that any player would want to play, well, you got a chance to play for Boston and Miami, they're marquee franchises, you're on national television, you're getting to play all the, you're getting marquee games, you're getting to go to the, the NBA playoffs. Yeah, if you're doing it at 18 minutes a night in limited action, you'd rather play 34. That's what most players would rather have. And Kelly's no different. So he thrived last year. Now, you could sit here on the other side of this and make a little bit of an argument that if on good teams, Kelly Olenek only plays 19 or 20 games, why are we so desperate to have him playing 30? Eh, we're probably not going to be a good team next year. We're not going to be a Final Four in the West or East or a conference champion. So now you're dealing with adaptability, ball movement, leadership. He's kind of the perfect mix. He has a great deal of fun. He's very balanced, and he's highly competitive. He's really a perfect, perfect mix to kind of everything the Utah Jazz want. And so picking up his option to me seems like a no-brainer. How you use him is vital. We'll, do, we'll discuss that and how, you, how he works in and how he fits with Walker Kessler and how he fits with Lowry Markkinen as we continue. Plus, we'll look at the NBA draft board. It is beginning to settle. We're beginning to get a little bit of a read on where guys are and who they are along the way. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. I got to tip my hat to eBay Motors because every now and then you run into a company that just does things well. This is one of those that does things well. And one of the things that jumps out to me most when I've used eBay Motors is the fact that they have their little perfect fit combo. So when you have a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Like we're talking about Kelly Olenek. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit. So the next time you need a part or accessory, head to eBay Motors because this is where you get the little awesomeness. eBay is guaranteed fit. You can make sure the part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fill or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop eBay Motors with over 122 million parts to choose from. You want to make sure you get the right one. You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay. Guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps, so thanks so much for taking advantage. For those of you on YouTube, send me a special hello. I'd love it. I always check it. Say say hi back. Uh, thank you very much for being an everydayer. Uh, tomorrow on the program will be... I we're, we're tentative. My daughter's playing in a Utah-Nevada golf event. I will be in Vegas in a hotel room with my wife and daughter and may or may not be able to get a show out. So a little tentative on tomorrow. I apologize for that, but hopefully that'll explain. I hope you're following uh, nine for team 49 on Instagram at DLocko9 and on Twitter. We're running through the best games of the year. All right. So how do you use Kelly Olenek? Because Kelly does have some weaknesses. One of which is rebounding and rebounding is vitally important. When Kelly Olenek is on the floor, we don't rebound. Strange. It actually doesn't matter 
literally last year, statistically, it didn't necessarily matter who he was on the floor with. We just didn't rebound. He he is not a, a very good rebounder. So there's some, he's not perfect. He's just wonderful. And so you've got to try to figure out when Walker and Lowry are on the floor, we're five percentage points better in offensive rebounding, but we're both worse in defensive rebounding. And frankly, I think it comes back to Kelly in some weird manner that doesn't totally make sense to me. And this is one of the rubs on Kelly in his career is kind of what position is he? Because he might be pointillinic in a weird flowing way. He's not really a defensive center, okay? Because he doesn't protect the rim at all. So when we think about centers, I think we're talking about Walker Kessler, maybe some Damian Jones, and I really believe it's Lowry Markkinen. I really believe our 48 minutes of center is Walker Kessler and Lowry Markkinen. So now you're playing Walker, you're playing Kelly either with both of them in that same starting lineup, which was super slow, had a hard time getting back in transition defense, and didn't rebound particularly well. Okay? So that was kind of, you know, that's the that's the bummer on that group. If you look at some numbers here for a second and take that group, so Kelly Olenek, Walker, Kessler, and Lowry Markkinen all on the floor together. So this was our, this was our, once Vanderbilt was traded, this was our default starting five. We were plus 5.4. Great. Great. We were, it didn't matter whether it was Ochai and Taylor and Colin and Jordan, Mike and Jordan, like plus 5.4. I mean, it did matter in the sense that when it was Mike and Jordan, it was plus 11. Uh, 86 percentile offensively, 65th percentile defensively, um, we don't force any turnovers, which is probably fine. We stay in a shell defensively. We're 29th percentile in defensive rebounding. Okay? So that's, like, that's weird. But that's positive. You just go take, this is where I'm saying, like, there's something kind of weird going on with just Kelly. You go take Kelly out of that lineup, and the defensive rebounding in the two main lineups that have Kelly, that, that have Walker and Lowry, and, and take Kelly off the floor... And all of a sudden, the defensive rebounding spikes. I'm not entirely sure why this is, but the defensive rebounding suddenly moves to the 63rd percentile. Just taking Kelly off the floor. And Walker and Lowry together are plus 6.3, 82nd percentile offensively, and 80th percent defensively. Okay, well, that's now better. Walker and Lowry now, without Kelly in a more traditional three, are now better. And the threes that played... The guys that played in that spot are Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Rudy Gay, Simone Fontecchio. So there's an interesting discussion here. Kelly's wonderful. Want him back. 100%. Vital. All the things. Adaptability, ball movement, leadership, shooting. All the things. Career year. But you start to dig into the numbers... And you put Lowry Markkinen and Walker Kessler on the floor with or without Kelly Olynyk, and when he's when he, when they're on the floor together, it's nice because they're three seven footers. We're plus five point four. When you take Kelly Olynyk off the floor and you keep Walker and Lowry, we're plus six point three, virtually the same. But the but it actually you can look at it statistically, and plus six point three is much better, and you're better in transition. You have more athleticism, and so how do you start to do it? 
Do you want to play Walker with Kelly and Kelly takes that role off the bench maybe? You put him back in that role, is he all right, without Lowry? And so he plays with Walker and does some things there. That didn't work very well. That was a minus 5.1 last year when Kelly played without Lowry and with Walker. Okay. Like, I get it. Like, he's really, really good. You don't really want to play Kelly Olenek at center. Maybe maybe you can do it, but he's not a great rebounder. When Kelly Olenek played center for us last year, in limited minutes, we were a plus 2.1. So that's a little interesting when Kelly played... With Jeff Lowry as the power forward, we were a plus 2.1. So maybe if Lowry is playing really your defensive center and a Linux running the offense like a Draymond or something like that, that actually works a little bit. And when Kelly and Lowry were on the floor together, just the two of them, ignoring whether Walker or anybody else was on the floor, they were plus six. And so maybe that's the answer. Is that where, when Lowry slides to the five, Kelly's coming off the bench to play that four. When Kelly and Lowry played without Walker, they were plus six, 93rd percentile offensively, same issues. Defensively, they were fine. They didn't rebound very well. So that's it. You just got to figure out how you're using him. He's so vital with his ball movement. You could foe start him if you want to keep that group together. But Ron Boone pointed it out all year long. That group's pretty slow. Had a hard time in transition. We're the worst transition team in the league. That's something that has to be addressed. And that's probably because we played Walker, Lowry, and Kelly a lot. So can you find somebody else who plays the power forward that plays it well enough that then Kelly can come off the bench, maybe replacing Walker, Lowry slides down to the five, and now you're playing Lowry and Kelly in a five-out offense that really moves it and does some fun stuff. And maybe that's where you're playing a Colin Sexton off the bench with that, and Kelly's your primary ball handler. So you're back to point Linux. A little wackiness with point Linux, but it's there. All right, anyway, I think it's a really interesting thing. Certainly want Kelly back, and then the question is how you use him. All right, here's what's going on with the draft boards, and I think it's really fascinating. So if you recall, when we did the numbers, my take was the guys were going to float all the way up and down. That there was just going to be two months of mass fluctuation. And I think there's still going to be two months of mass fluctuation. But the other thing that jumped out to me when I looked at the draft and was with all you guys on this was that the, to me, the board fell off at some point. Like they're just usually when you're doing later game numbers and players of that sort, you suddenly start to find players. You're like, Oh, I found Isaiah Wong. Like that was it. That was our one sleeper that we found. Like we found Kobe Bufkin and Taylor Hawkins and some other players that we thought were really, really interesting. And Jet Howard came out pretty well, if you recall. Um, And Julian Strother came out pretty well. A a bunch of our kind of guys in that group, Amari Bailey looked all right. A bunch of those players looked interesting. They were all between 20 and 25. And then once we like got to 25, 26, it just fell off the map. And so matching kind of doing the numbers research and now watching draft boards, I do think we have, and the Jazz unfortunately are drafting 28. I do think we have like 25 guys that are in their group. Maybe one of them slides to 28. Maybe the Jazz have their own guy they really like. But there does seem to be 28, 25 guys or so that are just kind of in this mix now. That seems to be pretty well established. The other thing that seems to be very well established is who the top five are 
and maybe pretty well established who 6 through 12 is, which then means 13 through 25 gets pretty well established. I'll explain that as we continue. Sam Vecini and Leave Tulane's draft boards leading this. And tomorrow, if, we, if I get a chance, we'll look at Kevin O'Connor's from the ringer as well to kind of get a, get a hold of all of this um, as well here on the program. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy can be a wonderful answer. My favorite part of Malik Beasley was when he just openly admitted he's in therapy to become a better person with no stigma attached. It's such a great step. I always say this generation's making strides. This is one of the areas where people are making strides. Like you, like you just hear the kids, you hear adults, like I'm, oh, I'm going to talk to my therapist. Like it's so, it's great. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched to a licensed therapist, and then this is really beautiful. If you don't vibe with that therapist, you switch therapists at any time, no additional charge. If you really are paying attention to what's going on out there, finding a therapist is virtually impossible. And then if you don't like your therapist, you're kind of stuck because you have to restart the relationship and trying to find a new one's even harder. Well, with BetterHelp, because it's all online, this is one of the great advantages. So find more balance with BetterHelp. Improve who you are and what strides you're making. Have a better understanding of why you react in certain circumstances the way you do. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. A, better help, be better, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on NBA. If you want a second listen today, locked on NBA Big Board will be touching on some of the same stuff we're talking about um, as they continue their great work. So obviously number one is Victor Webanyama, everyone's clear. The top five now seem to be the same. They're both the same on same Sam Vecini's board and on Leaf Tulane's big board. Leaf Tulane of Locked on NBA Big Board, Sam Vecini of The Athletic. Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, Amon Thompson, Cam Whitmore. Probably names that we can take off our jazz list. Six through 12 gets interesting because this is one of our picks. We're sitting at nine. And the new name that has suddenly floated into six through 12 is Taylor Hendricks. Taylor Hendricks, when we did it out of UCF 6'9", 210, was one of the players that we put a green numbers-wise. He peaked out on numbers 95th percentile in transition. Not a very good pick and roll ball handler in limited time. Was actually a pretty good pick and roll man. Spot up shooting was in the 73rd percentile. Catch and shoot in the 79th percentile. Unguarded catch and shoot in the 68th. And he was decent on off the bat. So just an elite, elite athlete at 6'9", 210 according to our numbers. Not great on isolation, but he got a light green. We liked him. So 6 through 12 now seems to be Asura Thompson, the brother of Amon Thompson. Anthony Black... And I think this could fluctuate. I'm not totally sold on these some of these guys. Jerese uh, Walker, power forward, 6'8", 240 out of Houston. Kaysen Wallace, who I watched a little bit this week, and I'll watch some more Kentucky freshmen. Taylor Hendricks. And then this is super interesting to me. One of the guys we had early... He's popped up Richard Stamen of Lockdown NBA's big board and now up on Sam Vincey's big board is Kobe Bufkin and then Grady Dick. So the six through 12 on Sam Vincey's big board were Taylor Hendricks, Asir Thompson, Anthony Black, Jerese Walker, Kaysen Wallace, Kobe Bufkin, and Grady Dick. I know these are all weird names. But here's what's interesting. Leaf Tuline has, of those seven guys, Leaf Tuline had five of the seven also. He has Dariq Whitehead, 
out of Duke, the sharpshooter, in his group, and he loves Gigi Jackson. He has Gigi Jackson out of South Carolina's ninth. He does not have Grady Dick, and he does not have Kobe Bufkin. So that's where they rub. He has Kobe Bufkin as low as 25, Grady Dick at 19. I didn't love Grady Dick. I thought there were lots to like, but I, I have a hard time projecting where that's going. What, where this gets super interesting is the next group, 13 through 22, is Leonard Miller out of the G League. And I'll try to let you guys know who these guys are. I don't expect you to know. And they're all, you know, 6'9", 195, super athlete. Leaf has him at 15. This is where Sam Vecini has him tiered between 13 and 22. Derek Lively, center, Duke, we don't care, 17th. Bryce Sensbaugh, one of the guys we have as a green on our stats, 6'6", 235, out of Ohio State, in 13 to 25, Leaf has him at 18. Jalen Hood Shafino, who we actually have redded for not having great numbers um, and concerned, in between 13 and 20, Leaf has him at 16. Jordan Hawkins, UConn national champion, probably the best shooter in the draft or close to the best shooter in the draft. That's Jordan Hawkins. We had him as a light green because of his shooting. Sam has him 16 to 20, 13 to 22. Leaf has him at 23. Keonti George, Baylor guard. I've watched him a little bit. Need to see him more. He had one play that jumped. He's had the only play I've seen in three games I've watched of college basketball where somebody jumped out of the building. He actually is bad transition numbers for us so he's a little interesting that he has the one like athletic play that jumped out leaf has him at 14 he's in 13 to 22 nick smith jr who we redded for not being was as high as 10 in a lot of boards now leaf has him at 21 he's in 13 to 22 we had him redded for bad athleticism chris murray the brother of of keegan murray out of sacramento he's out of iowa um very similar play to keegan murray Leaf has him at 26. Sam has him 13 to 22. Dariq Whitehead and Gigi Jackson are in Sam's 13 to 22. We literally have 25 of the 26 players are like the same in the top of, of 25 or 26 players in the top 22. Like they're almost all the same right now. The only players that Leaf has, Noah Clowney of Alabama, Jed Howard of Michigan, and City Cisco out of France. I don't know how to pronounce that, but that's close. Um are the only three players that Leaf has in his top 22 that are different than... So we have 25 players that are fitting in the top 22 of two different draft boards. We're... It's... Boom. Like, we're getting in the group. Now, I think guys are still going to bounce inside here. Kobe Bufkin could go 12. Kobe Bufkin could go 9. Kobe Bufkin could go 22. Nick Smith could go 8. Nick Smith could go 24. I think we'll see that. But it's interesting to see that as we now kind of get into this, we've got the 25 guys. Now we have 28 on the board. I think as the draft goes on, things will happen and one of those 25 gets to 28. Or the or Danny has another guy he likes. The other one that's the big talk, by the way, is how bad next year's draft is. Sam Vecin's article has that, he, that some people don't think that there's a single player in 2024 that would go in the top seven of this year's draft. It's interesting. I'm just underwhelmed on this draft from like seven down. I have not watched enough Cam Whitmore, Sear Thompson, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, or Victor Webanyama. Well, I have watched Victor, but to be wowed by them. But 
that seem people seem to have, the 2024 draft is supposed to be poor. I, I don't buy this thing. Like guys develop. There's still a lot of time between now and then, but it's interesting. It also is interesting in the sense that the Jazz have a pick in the 2024 draft that goes to Oklahoma City if it's past the 11th pick. And if we don't actually believe the draft is any good, then it incentivizes us to win some next year and get free of our draft issues and be clear on our draft books and not have that pick lingering. All right, let's play the lottery. We're sitting at nine. We're going to be at 16. We're going to be at 28. So let's see what we happen. We have not had luck yet this week. We should have one day a week where we have good luck. Here we go. The number one pick of the NBA draft goes to the Indiana Pacers. The number two pick of the NBA draft goes to the Dallas Mavericks. That would suck. The number three pick of the NBA draft goes to the Houston Rockets. San Antonio tanks for four. Detroit tanks for five. Charlotte tanks for six. That ain't worth it. Or Portland gets outside of that top five players and is the seventh pick of the draft. Orlando eight, Washington nine. Utah slides to 10. Chicago's pick goes to Orlando at 11, Oklahoma City, Toronto, and New Orleans. That is Locked on Jazz today. Hopefully I'm back with you tomorrow. We will see. Should be some fun basketball tonight. I believe we have, do we have Warriors again, right? What do we have tonight? We have Warriors-Lakers tonight, 7 o'clock Mountain. Have a great one. Talk to you soon.